Our scripture reading today is from Psalm 34, 4 through 14. I'll give you a moment to look that up. Again, it's Psalm 34, 4 through 14. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. This is the word of the Lord. So, I have to admit uh, something. Uh, preaching is really hard. Uh, it's a hard thing to do. I, you know, it, it never fails that, that the thing that you're working on during a sermon, like when you're working on a sermon, that's the thing you end up dealing with, like, that week. So if you're dealing with patience or something, that's the, t- the sermon topic. It, it just seems like you're going to deal with it all week. I don't know how that happens, but um, it, it just kind of always is that way. And then you you know, you're like, okay, God, you got me working on this thing so that I could preach about it. I guess that's what we're doing. So there I was yesterday, traveling home from from a, a week of vacation with you know friends and got to see some family and and I got overwhelmed and frustrated with a situation. And I said something to someone out of frustration that I regretted the second I said it. Right? You ever do that? You go, oh, why did I say that? But I said it. And in a flash, all the preparation for this sermon came rushing to my head. It was like the second it happened, I went, oh, James, come on, right? All this research for for our our, our topic this week, which is taming the tongue, um, all I could think about was, okay, James, you got me, and how difficult it is to do the thing that we're we're about to talk about it. How difficult it is to live like James has been telling us these last several weeks. I, I have found our journey through the book of James to, to be such a personal challenge. Um, you know, the focus, the focus of the book is Christian maturity, right? It's, it's a book about growing in maturity. And, and so it, when, that, when these things happen, right, and when you read James, you start to go, well, well, good grief. Maybe, am I a mature Christian? I've got a lot of work to do. There's no way I can do this stuff. I'm not there yet. You know, my, my attitudes, my words, my actions, my lack of actions, they've all been examined already as I've prepared sermons and listened to sermons. And, 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 and to be honest, I fall, in, you know, in so, fall short in so many areas uh, as, I'm, as I'm reading James. Right? And, and, I, and I would say, what about you? Right? I can imagine with you, you could go back with me through the last couple, you know, two chapters of James 
right? Could you say, well, I don't struggle with, with any of those requirements that we've, we've read about being a mature Christian, right? Do you doubt God when you ask him for things? Or are you quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry? Do you look after the, the widows and poor who are in need? Are you polluted by the world in which we live? Do you show favoritism ever? Do you tell people how to deal with their problems, or are you actually getting involved in helping them? Our our passage this morning, again, is going to remind us um, uh, that it's hard, and and it's important because he's going to tell us here in just a second uh, that we stumble in many ways. What What are we to do with this when James tells us we all stumble in many ways? So let's talk about that uh, before we do. Let's let's pray together. Father, would you help us this morning? Would you guide us as we look at your word? Father, help us to hear what you have to say to us. What does it what it means to be a mature Christian uh, who guards uh, who guards what they say, who guards how they live? God, we need your help. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so we start James chapter 3 this morning. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring bear forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. We could get discouraged by all of this. When I read this, I, I think of, of, of how many times I stumble. It's easy to start to question, is my faith even, even real? I told you a minute ago that, that, that James tells us we all stumble in many ways. We not only sin often, but in different kinds of ways, right? We have lots. And so the, there are some important considerations as, as we... As we uh, read these words. I'd say the first is for us to not get discouraged. We are supposed to be striving for spiritual maturity. Yes, absolutely. 
But on this side of heaven, you and I are imperfect and we will fail. We will stumble. And, and, and it's easy for us to get to this place where we give up and just say, what's the use? Right? Maybe you felt that way. If I, if I really, uh, you know, believed or was a good Christian, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stumble as much as I do. Or, or maybe you've been in a place where you, say, you go, well, I'm just, these are my sins. I just accept them. And, and that's just part of being, being a Christian. Grace. Grace. No big deal. And I would say both views are wrong. Both views are wrong. We can, we can err on both sides of that. We stumble, but we are saved through our faith in Christ because of the grace of God. But because we are saved, we are supposed to hate our sin and we are supposed to struggle to overcome it. So, so there's got to be that, that middle tension somewhere where, where we we know we will stumble, but we, we can never be overcome by it, or we can never become complacent to just sin, right? If you're going to sin, might as well just sin boldly and live it up, right? That's not the way. Remember what James says in the beginning of his letter to us about the goal. What did we say was the goal? To become mature and complete not lacking anything. That's what Jesus wants for us. That's the process. That's the road. That's the goal. That's where we're headed, right? Every day we should be able to say, I'm working on becoming mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And so what James is doing is helping us to be aware of our sins and and taking steps to overcome them. Even though we know it's going to be a lifelong process, every day is a day we're supposed to battle and not give in. <coughs> when I said, we all stumble in many ways, which is what James said, if you thought, meh, that's not me, I give you a challenge. Just get your phone, and just record yourself every time you talk, take a screenshot of every time you text, and just bring them to church next Sunday, and we'll just listen to those. And we'll just, we'll just all break that down and see how you did, right? We can listen together and eh, see if you find anything. See if you stumbled in any ways this week. I don't think we would have any volunteers to do that. I definitely wouldn't. Because the hardest, it seems like, of, of our sins is to control the tongue. James even kind of says, look, if you can control the tongue, you would control everything, right? If you could stop sinning with your tongue, you'd be in good shape. You'd be complete. So how do we gain victories in all of that? How do we deal with our tongue? James says that the the tongue is is powerful, right? That's kind of the first thing he's going to say is it's got this, this power, and it says, even though it's small, right, compared to the rest of our body, the tongue is a small thing. It's got a power. And, and, and these are, you know, examples that he gives that you're familiar with, right? He starts with a horse. He says, you can control an entire horse by just controlling their mouth. Some of you that know horses know that's what it is, right? You can be in touch with their whole body if you can be in touch with, with their mouth. 
You can, you can direct them whatever way you want them to go, right, if you've got control of the bit. We were able to go to the port of Galveston uh, this week, which is, which is Houston's port, right? It, it's, it, they've got channels and stuff, and so all the supplies kind of for Houston, they come in there. So you can imagine it's huge. Um, port, the port of Galveston is, is huge, and, and there are these massive container ships all just out there waiting. I mean, thousands of them. And, and you go, where's my stuff from China? It's all out there on, on these giant container ships. There's thousands of them. I mean, it, it looks like a traffic jam, and there's just ship after ship. Um, but one of the things that, that I learned uh, this, this week is that um, those ships, they, they take on a, a pilot to get them into the port, right? So they've had a pilot for however, whatever, captain for all as many thousands of miles as they've gone. And then when they get to the port, they have to stop. And they bring out in a, 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 a small boat, they bring out a, a, a new captain, a pilot, to take the thing in. And, and you have to give up control of your ship and let this guy do it. Why? Because he knows the port. He knows where's the sandbars, right? They don't want to flip over container ships. We've seen that happen on the news, right? That's a terrible thing to happen. It's a traffic jam. It's so complicated on how they're moving and, and all the things, right? And some of these things are like 1,000 feet long and stuff. So, but you've got to have a right pilot to direct that ship, right? One small movement in the wrong direction, and you've got disaster, and so when, once they get all the way through, the guy hops off and, you know, he collects his bill, gets back on another boat and goes and takes another. That's all he does all day long is take in ships. And it's very precise work. And these, these giant ships, right, bigger than some cities, are controlled by a rudder, right? By one small thing, the whole ship is controlled. Right, and, and if you've ever you know, driven a boat, you know, if you just kind of get that thing wrong a little bit, right, you start turning sideways real quick. James tells us that the words we speak reveal or reflect what's inside of us. They also affect what's in us, right? Get on the phone and start talking with somebody else. Right? Imagine, imagine the conversation and, and the other person on the phone starts talking bad about somebody that you both know. In that conversation that you're having back and forth, does it start to change your thoughts, the way you feel about a person? It does. The tongue is not, um, tongue doesn't have a mind, right? Our mind is the mind. The tongue, as we talk about this tongue that's evil, right, James isn't just talking about this thing in here, right, he's talking about something bigger, right? The tongue isn't, it, it doesn't have, it, it's not in control. It is a, a passive instrument, we might say, that reveals what's inside of us. And you and I both know there are times where some of that comes out and you go, oh, that was inside of me? Why was that there? How did that get there? And we must learn how to exercise, how to control what comes out of us. If we have, have the urge to say something in anger, you know, the world says, just then it feels good, just get it out of your system, right? Just let it happen. That's not what we hear from James. That's not what we saw in our, in our psalm that, that we read a few minutes ago. We have to learn how to stop our tongue 
we have the urge to say sinful things. Right? And, and it affects the whole body as we learn how to control. Okay, I don't have to say that. What do I really feel? How do I work through that? We're in, we work on our self-control. And so we try that, right? Try that this week. Before you speak, think for a few seconds. And ask the question, is, is, is what I'm about to say holy in the eyes of God? Right? Is it true? Is it honorable? Is it for the benefit of somebody else or was it for me? Right? If you will think through that process, I promise, you'll have, you'll have a better week in what you do and what you say and what you text to your friend. It'll go better. He says that, that the tongue can, is, like a, is like a fire, right? It can spark a giant fire. It can set all the trees ablaze with just the spark. Right? I won't ask for any examples of stories, but you probably have in your life stories where things happen in a group of friends where somebody said something and then it took off. And then the next thing you know, everybody was upset. Or maybe in a marriage, right? One snide comment turned into a blaze. You know, How did we get here? Right? One thing, one tiny spark started the forest fire. It happened to me yesterday, right? And I thought about it after it happened, right? You say something, you can't unsay it, right? Some people have, have, have described it like putting toothpaste back in a tube, right? You, it's not coming back in there. Once you've, once you've set it out there, that's where it's going to be. So we stop and we wait and we think, is this honorable? Is this true? Is this holy in the eyes of God? Is this for the benefit of somebody else? It's easy when, as he talks about evil, right, we think about evil out there, right? Evil in other places. And, and, and in reality, what James is talking about is the evil that comes out, right? Because the tongue speaks evil, but where does that come from? It's coming from inside of us. We can be affected, and we'll talk about that in just a second. How do we, how do we make sure that the things that are around us aren't, uh, aren't affecting us negatively? What do we do? What do we watch? How do we spend our time? What, what are we intaking? When do we confess that what we have done, what we have seen, what we have taken in is not honorable, it's not holy in the eyes of God? Because our mouth will produce it. Our mouth will say it. There is so much power in the tongue. Have you ever taken the time to say something kind and honorable to somebody and seen how that situation changes? I've known people that didn't like me very well. And I started to pray, God, how can I love that person? How can I show kindness to them? I don't feel like it. They don't really care for me much. And in the power of the tongue, how are you doing? How can I be praying for you? Do you need help with anything? We can change things with the power of the tongue. We can reconcile relationships that need to be fixed. Being the first one willing to say, look, I'm sorry. I know, I know that what happened shouldn't have happened. Let's, let's work on that together. 
Right? Be the first one. Start using the tongue and the power of what it can do. Verse 7, he tells us that no one, no power can tame the tongue. No one. Verse 8, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Think of those that you've hurt with that poison. It's in us. It's in us. And so that's where we start to think, how do, how do, I, how do I become a believer in, in a mature way? Because I, the actions that I have are not, not, not the ones that, that I want to have. How do I praise God with this mouth, yet curse others? James, in in chapter 1, he says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So if we're going to have change in any of this, it's not from inside. It's not an internal change. There's so many sermons that people talk about. How do you fix the tongue? How do you you change what you say? Well, just try harder, be better, do more. That's not what James says. Solution is something else. The point that James is making is only God can tame the tongue. Only God can tame the tongue. So the solution starts with our recognizing our inability. God, I, I'm broken. God, I'm selfish. God, I'm rude. I'm self-seeking. Can you help me? It means being in step and controlled by the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Reminded of Philippians 4, 8, where he says, Brothers, whatever is true, whatever whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. How are we filled? God says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, the things of Him. Right When that happens... What's coming out of us? What are, what are we producing? The things of him. Right? Because James is, is going around what is obvious, and that is that the tongue speaks what's in our head and is in our heart. What have we put in our head and in our heart? One of the things I've been convicted of lately is, is memes. You guys know what memes are? You're laughing. Assuming that means you know what memes are, right? You can start thinking in memes, right? You can have conversations in memes. I've had text conversations where no, none of us even say a word. We just text meme pictures back at each other, right? Jordan and I were talking just the other day. There's a culture just of, of memes, and, and it's the way we process our lives, right? And, and, and everything kind of becomes a joke. Everything can be a joke that way. But what I found is that it's turned me into a little bit of a cynical person. I'm probably not alone in this, right? But when I start thinking in memes, I start, all I can do is make jokes, right? 
nothing is serious, nothing means anything. I just write it all off <laughs> and I turn into this cynical person. So for me, this is a personal decision. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to, to, to deal less in memes. I know this sounds weird if you don't even know what a meme is, but, right? The things that we look on our phones, are those things that are building us up? Those things that turning us into a person where our, our hearts are decaying, our hearts are, are, are not where they need to be. Anybody who's, uh, who, you know, ha- had a coach in high school knows the, the phrase garbage in, garbage out, right? You eat garbage, guess what comes out? We are what we eat. We are what we take in. And, and the things that we'll produce with our mouth if all we're taking in is cynical, if all we're taking in is negative, I don't watch the news very much because it, it kind of gives me anxiety, kind of turns me into a negative person, right? And then what do we have to talk to about when I'm with somebody? The negative stuff that I saw, right? I don't want to be that. I want to be light. I want to be something different. I want to be a person who speaks hope and not darkness. So, so, it's a spiritual battle. God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? God, would you take control of my tongue? May it be something that honors you. I recognize my own sinfulness and my inability to control this thing. James is it's such a hard book. It's, it's about it's about maturing. It's about feeling we're not mature. It's, there are times that I read James and I think, he would hate my guts. He would not want me a part of his church because I, I don't do enough. I don't look enough like what he says a mature believer is. And that's the process. That's where he's calling us to go. Right? That we might be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And the tongue is just one part of that, right? It's our faith in action. And we're going to see more of that as we continue through James. What does it look like to be a person of faith in, in our actions and how we live? It's always a battle. We, we never just wash our hands and say, forget it. I, I've just lost, so I'm going to sin boldly. God has called us to do battle, to struggle, and to know that he's covered it all. Let's pray together. Father, would you cleanse our hearts? We know that our, our, our mouth speaks the overflow of our hearts. And so when we say something rude, it was inside of us. When we say something selfish or inappropriate, it was inside of us. And Father, it's hard Passages like this are hard. It's easy for us to think we've lost the battle. God, you re- would you remind us that the battle was won on the cross? Father, help us to live for you. Help us to, to live a life of praise, a life of growing and maturing in our faith because of what's been done for us, not to earn it, out of gratitude. Father, we need your help. In Jesus' name, amen.